This is The Top, where I interview entrepreneurs who are number one or number two in their industry in terms of revenue or customer base. You'll learn how much revenue they're making, what their marketing funnel looks like, and how many customers they have. I'm now at $20,000 per talk. Five and six million. He is hell-bent on global domination. We just broke our 100,000 unit soul mark. And I'm your host, Nathan Latka. Okay, Top Tribe, this week's winner of the $100 is Zach Ferran. He's a 22-year-old Apple employee, and he's listening to the show and loving it. For your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday, simply subscribe to the podcast on iTunes now, and then text the word Nathan to 33444 to prove that you did it to enter. Folks, many of you reach out to me and you say, Nathan, so many guests on your show talk about the importance of batching. But whenever I try and batch, you tell me this. You go, Nathan, they don't book back-to-back times. So you, or they don't show up after they book. It's frustrating. The answer is, guys, you have to use smart tools. I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at nathanlatka.com forward slash schedule. I'll tell you specifically how I use it later on in the episode. Nathan Lackey here. This episode 561, you're really going to love it. And coming up tomorrow morning, you'll learn from Nick, who founded Illuminetto. They raised $700,000 and just recently passed 100 customers with their team in D.C. Folks, good morning, Nathan Latke here. Our guest today is Ken Marlin. He's the founder and managing partner of Marlin & Associates, an award-winning mergers and acquisitions-focused investment bank headquartered in New York City with offices in San Francisco, Washington, D.C., and Toronto. Ken's also the author of The Marine Corps' Way to Win on Wall Street, 11 Key Principles from the Battlefield to the Boardroom, which was published in September. We'll talk about that in a second. Additionally, between 1970 and 1981, Ken rose from the enlisted ranks to become a Marine captain and infantry commander. Since then, he's been an entrepreneur, a tech company CEO twice, a senior corporate executive twice, and for the past 20 plus years, an investment banker on Wall Street. For the past 14 years, he's been leading his own firm as articulated, again, uh, Marlin and Associates. Additionally, throughout all these endeavors, he's applied Marine core principles to leading successful businesses. That's what we'll focus on today. Ken, are you ready to take us to the top? I'm happy to chat. Thanks for having me. <laughs> All right. Thanks for coming on. Is 2017 going to be a good year for MA or what? You know, uh, so far it's starting out with a bang. We actually um, closed a transaction today. Uh, we have uh, eight more that we're working on, which is a fair amount for us. So, so far the year's starting out strong and uh, we're just going to hope uh, nobody does anything stupid to mess it up. <laughs> is the press release for today's one out yet? Can you share it? It's 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 not. Okay. Um, we're waiting for the company to release it. No problem. Tell us how the business works. So you founded this company. How do you make money doing this? Oh, we don't do things for crass uh, money. We just do it for the honor and privilege of working with our clients. They're great clients, but uh, but every once in a while they do pay us. Um, we <laughs> we uh, we do try hard to be the trusted advisor to people who want to buy or sell middle market technology companies. Um, uh, we have both buyers and sellers who. Um, pay us a retainer to help them figure out what's the right thing to do. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, sometimes, interestingly, the right thing to do is to put your head down and keep growing your business for another year or two. But uh, sometimes the right thing to do is to transact. Um, and when it is, we try to help them do that in a smart way. And uh, and we get uh, a small piece of the purchase or the sale price. What is that typically? 3%, 1%, 10%? 
Um, you know, uh, the uh, the bigger the deal, the smaller the percentage. So when you're talking about deals that are a couple hundred million dollars, you're 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 at under one percent. And when you're talking about smaller transactions, then uh, it could be as much as seven percent. Uh, for us, I'd say we probably average around three to four percent. And take us back to 2016. What was kind of the total transaction volume you guys helped process? If that's how you measure it, how do you measure your success in 2016? Yeah, I don't really measure transaction volume. Um, you know, for for us in 2016, if I think about it, it was probably uh, someplace around a billion dollars. But uh, I, I don't think of that as the measure. Um, uh, we typically work with. Um, Eight to ten clients a year. That's uh, that's about all we can handle. We try to give each one of them uh, a lot of senior level attention. This is a very service oriented uh, uh, part of the business. Um, uh, unlike when you work with a large publicly traded company and helping somebody buy or sell a big company like that, which is very process oriented, ours is very consultative. Um, we uh, sometimes have to help sellers communicate clearly what makes their company really cool, what makes it different, what makes it unique, what what makes their what what is their competitive advantage, and why should somebody care? And um, and, and then we have to help them through all phases of the process, including um, helping them understand what's likely to to happen next and. Uh, and help them negotiate all phases of the transaction. And when we work with buyers, it's often similar uh, in helping them to understand the strengths and weaknesses, uh, uh, the opportunities, and sometimes the threats involved in, in the companies that they're looking to buy. Um, Is it common, Ken, for you to be on both sides of the transaction advising? No, um, we, we've had a couple of times when people have asked us to play the role of honest broker, um, and, and the truth is that we always try to play the role of honest broker. Um, but actually, these things tend to work best if both sides have experienced advisors that can help their respective clients understand sort of what's reasonable and customary in this business. That helps you dilute the risk of trying to negotiate with an irrational group, which is dangerous. I, I, that's that's right, and of course nobody believes that they are irrational. Yeah. Um, they, 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 <laughs> I would they never admit everybody. that, right? My mom would say I'm irrational. Yeah. <laughs> Right. So everybody believes that their positions are reasonable and logical, and, and um, uh, often they are from their perspective, um, but sometimes people have to understand the other guy's perspective. Um, you know, I always tell people there are, there are no risk-free transactions, um, and, and so often the question is how much risk is there, and and really reasonably who should assume that risk. And we've seen both buyers who don't want to assume any risk whatsoever, which is not reasonable, and sellers who sometimes don't want to assume any risk whatsoever, and that's not reasonable either. So sometimes we have to help people understand what's reasonable. You mentioned uh, 2016, you did about a billion in, in, in kind of transactions. How many transactions was that spread across? That, that one was spread across um, six, six, okay, six, six deals. So you do about yeah. one deal kind of every other month, whether it's an exit or a fundraising or whatever. That's right. Um, and we're um, uh, 
that uh, I thought that was going to be eight, um, and two of those deals slipped into 2017. So, uh, so as I said, one closed today, and we have another one that we expect to close shortly. True or false? One of the beautiful things about the holidays is it's a beautiful forcing function to get some of these things done. Oh, for um, for many people, there is a certain um, uh, clarity that comes with um, starting the year clean and fresh. So we have a number of buyers who um, would like to start the deal, start the year with the acquisition that they're trying to make. And oftentimes we have a lot of sellers who would like to get something done by the end of year, um, just because it's clean to end the year that way. Um, We're not particularly focused on when some deal closes. Do I really care if it closes in late December or January? I I don't, but but we do see people who sometimes do care. What is the number one reason? uh, I'm sure you've had deals blow up before. What's the number one reason a deal will blow up? Um... Uh, so many different reasons. (laughs) The one that drives you the most crazy. I I would say that um, uh, there are many that drive me crazy. I I, I would say that from a seller's perspective, we always tell a seller um, that uh, these these transactions are based on trust and both sides need to trust the other, but um, part of building that trust is being honest with the people on the other side. And so we tell them to over disclose if there is a, if there's something that, uh, you know, could possibly trip something up. Let's tell people about it early and and get the explanation out early. And we also tell them it's important um, in these transactions that they um, put forward a set of financial projections that they're going to meet. Yep. And um, and we you know often see people who are not used to having to put out financial projections that they're going to meet, and they. Um, and so they, they want to be optimistic and they want to uh, show what a great company they are and what great growth is coming. And they think that's how they're going to maximize their price. And they're partly right um, as long as they actually meet those optimistic forecasts. But these negotiations can go on for months and it will soon become obvious if you're going to make those forecasts or not. And if not, it's not only about numbers, it's about trust. Is it a more effective strategy to kind of slightly under project so that when you're in the final month of the negotiation, you can say, by the way, we killed projections. Don't try and get us to give up additional clauses. Absolutely. As I tell people, um, I don't mind late in the process going back to a buyer and in raising the forecast for yep. the current year or for next year. And I hate to go back to the buyer and to lower it. <laughs> um, per- perfection, which is often hard to achieve, um, perfection is to give people a set of forecast, forecast that you're going to meet and to meet it because it, it it shows a certain level of competence and and management control um, that is impressive when people are going to do that. But um, you're absolutely right. I tell them if you're not sure, then underestimate uh, right now. And then three months into the process, we can go back to people and we can always revise it up. 
the smart tactic top drive for you guys to take away. Ken, let's get into the book, The Marine Corps' Way to Win on Wall Street, 11 Key Principles from the Battlefield of the Boardroom. This was between 1970 and 1981. You went from enlisted ranks to become a Marine captain and infantry commander. Give me one key principle you learned on the battlefield that's applicable to the boardroom. Well, there's 11 key principles in the book, and they're all applicable. But Tease the, us. Give us one. one in the, uh, <laughs> and the first one, the first one in the book is something that I call take the long view. And the concept is, uh, is not very complicated. It's pretty straightforward. It says that um, in, in the Marine Corps, all tactics derive from a clear understanding of the long-term strategic objective that you are trying to to accomplish. And once you understand that long-term strategic objective, then you make sure that all your tactics align with it and you don't do things that don't align with it. Um, and it sounds just sort of blindingly obvious. And, and of course, that's what people do. But what we see in our world is a lot of people who very often don't even have a clear strategic objective. Uh, and even when they do, they they too often engage in tactics that are reactive. Um, and so, you know, a classic is people who buy companies without a clear understanding of how that acquisition helps advance them towards a, a, a clear strategic goal. Um, take two recent examples. One is Microsoft buying LinkedIn and another is Verizon buying Yahoo, um, leaving aside Yahoo's uh, information security breaches <laughs> of late. Um, um, but I would argue that Verizon buying Yahoo is a smart move that does advance them towards a clear, clear strategic objective, given the fact that, that Verizon had already bought AOL and had announced an objective of making AOL into the leader in consumer-oriented uh, internet, uh, mail, sports, entertainment, et cetera. And, and Yahoo is not only a great uh, bolt on to that. But without buying Yahoo, it wasn't clear to any of us how Verizon was going to achieve that objective with AOL. So, so I would argue that's a smart move. Um, and separately, I actually think it was a smart price. Um, I contrast that with Microsoft buying LinkedIn. And I should say that I love LinkedIn. I'm one of the first thousand users of LinkedIn. Uh, we use it extensively in my company. Um, I think it's a great service. And, and yet I think it has zero strategic fit with Microsoft in, in spite of their press releases. And Defensive play and Salesforce? You know, we see Microsoft make these sort of defensive plays and sometimes offensive plays a lot. They bought a Quantive and then wound up writing it down. They bought Nokia's handset business and wound up writing it down. Um, they they do this a lot. Um, and defensive measures only make sense when they advance you towards a clearly defined strategic objective. Otherwise, they just waste people's time and money. 
Guys, I get asked all the time, Nathan, you host all these interviews, hundreds of them per month. How do you do them efficiently? And guys, the answer is simple. People always agree to my calendar, back-to-back meetings. I batch my interviews to stay very efficient. And the way that I do it is I use a tool called Acuity Scheduling at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. And the reason I use them is very simple. They keep my no-show rate very low because they send out reminders about when the interview or the meeting is coming up. And also they make it very easy to schedule time, right? I don't have to go back and forth via email 10,000 times with people I'm trying to meet with. Okay, at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Helps me so much. And by the way, look, I like have so many meetings. I'm the best at meetings. Okay, I do them back to back. Very, very efficient. You guys know me. Many people say I'm the most efficient they've ever seen. Okay, so I use the tool. It's so efficient. And by the way, I got Gavin. I said, Gavin, he's the CEO. I said, I want a great deal for my people. He said, Nathan, well, most people get a 14-day trial. Isn't that great? I said, no. He's giving us a 45-day free trial at NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. That's not going to stay up forever. So go get it now. NathanLatka.com forward slash schedule. Very good. Hey, let's wrap up here, Ken, with the famous five. Number one, what's your favorite business book besides your own? Oh, yeah, it has to be besides my own. (laughs) Um, I I loved In Search of Excellence quite a long time ago and and, uh, a concept that um, they espoused in that business called managing managing by wandering around. Um, we, We deal with managers all the time and the best ones are not the ones that are always in their office and I can always find them there. They're out wandering around, talking to employees, talking to customers, talking to suppliers, and hearing firsthand what are people's issues. Number two, is there a CEO you're following or studying currently? Um, I, I am uh, I'm always talking with CEOs. I'm always watching them and observing them. Right now, the guy I'm paying the most attention to I suppose is a CEO, but he's a CEO of a venture capital firm, and his name is Fred Wilson. Um, and I think he is the smartest guy I know in terms of um, identifying new trends and taking advantage of. Number three, is there a CEO, or sorry, is there a favorite online tool that you use on a daily basis? Um, we're very big users of uh, of LinkedIn, as I mentioned, and also of Salesforce. Uh, I think Salesforce is. is given us a, a huge advantage in, in managing uh, our business. Um, we're a big believer in online tools. Uh, we're also a big user of uh, of Capital IQ, of PitchBook, and a number of other tools. Is that a good deal for Morningstar? Um, I think that PitchBook is an excellent company, um, and uh, we'll see um, how good a deal it is for Morningstar. I think Joe Mansueto is one of the smartest CEOs out there. He's done a, a, a tremendous job with Morningstar, um, and so I would never bet against him. Um, the particular strategic fit with Morningstar is going to be interesting to watch. Yep, very good. Number four, yes or no, do you get eight hours of sleep every night? No. <laughs> and what's your situation, Ken? Married, single, do you have kids? I'm, I'm married. I have one daughter, and uh, she landed in New York after two weeks in Asia, she landed about an hour ago. She oh, just very, called me. Very good. And how old are you? Uh, now, see now, now, now that one is that was that your fifth <laughs> or is that your sixth? This is I'm cheating now. Give me your give me your range. You cheat young. You can't, 
<laughs> yeah, um, after after um, tw- 20, uh, what has I done? 15 years in this business, 10 years in the Marine Corps, and 10 years uh, running businesses before that. Somebody can do that. I'm going to say, six, I'll, I'll guess somewhere around 55-ish, but the, here's the reason that question's important. Yeah. Take us back to your 20-year-old self, Ken. What do you wish that guy knew? Um, what do I wish that guy knew? Um, I, I, you know, what I tell my daughter, I tell other people is, um, pursue your passions, pursue the things that you really like, that you love and, and, and you'll do well at those things. Um, play to your strengths, not to your weaknesses. Top Tribe, there you have it. Play to your strengths, not your weaknesses. From Ken Marlin, again, founder and managing partner of Marlin and Associates. In 2016, they did over a billion dollars in total volume, helping over six clients get great deals done. They take on average 3% plus the retainer model. But more importantly, Ken's been there. He's done that as tech CEO. He's written his book, Check It Out. He also loves In Search of Excellence and Managing by Wondering. Ken, thank you for taking us to the top. Thank you, Nathan. Appreciate it. Folks, if you enjoyed Ken, go back and listen to Stephen yesterday of Badger Maps. They did $1.2 million in 2016, past $120,000 in monthly recurring revenue, and they're looking to 3x this year in 2017. Top Tribe, I love giving away free money. I feel like Oprah giving away cars, and I have something special for you today. How many of you have heard our super sharp guests talk about success they've had with Facebook and Google ads? Well, all of you listening right now, yes, if you're listening, you get $100 in free AdWords. Here's how you get it, okay? Again, thanks for listening. Get the free $100 from Google, right, when you sign up with my website host provider, HostGator. Go sign up now to get your free money, HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Again, that's HostGator.com forward slash Nathan. Okay, Top Tribe, I'll see you bright and early tomorrow morning. And don't forget, before you listen to any other episodes, subscribe on iTunes right now for your chance to win 100 bucks every Monday.